All right, we want to encourage you to uh, move in and find a seat. And we're going to get ready to begin our time of celebration and worship this morning. Some Sundays, everybody's a lot more talkative than others, so it's all good. It's all good. All right, we want to welcome you to the chapel this morning. If you're a visitor with us, we have a welcome desk right outside the front door that you can go to. And uh, just let us know of your visit with us, if there's any way that we can help, serve, or assist you. Uh, we're just expecting that you'll let us know that, and then we can reach out to you and assist you. Uh, just one note that we have our youth group gathering. We're changing the time to 6.30 on Wednesday night. So if you have any uh, young people that are in school, age, uh, grade 7 through 12, uh, they're welcome to come on Wednesday night. We just have a nice time of uh, some Bible study and also some activities together. So if you have a child that's interested in that or you know someone you can invite, we would be glad to have them come and participate in that with us. You know, every Sunday morning we come, we come for the purpose of proclaiming. Uh, in everything we do, we are always seeking to make the name of Jesus Christ known uh, to one another and to people that visit with us. First Peter 2.9 says this, talking about the church. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Now listen to this. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, the purpose of our gathering is to celebrate what Christ has done in our lives. And today, we have a little bit more of a special opportunity to do that. You'll notice this uh, item is not usually here every Sunday, our baptism pool. But the purpose of baptism is proclaiming. The purpose of our singing songs together is proclaiming. So I want to encourage you as we spend time in prayer together, as we spend time in singing together in the waters of baptism, everything it's about making the good news of Jesus known, the one who can change your life and your destiny. So it's to his praise and glory that we gather this morning. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, as we join our hearts together in singing truth about Jesus, help us to be proclaiming. And as our friends today, God, share the work of Christ in their lives in saving, help them to be proclaiming in the act of baptism, may we see proclaiming death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we want this day ultimately to be not about the candidates for baptism, but about the one who has transformed and changed their lives. So Lord, for the glory of your name, to proclaim you as our Savior, we gather today. Help us to sing as proclaiming for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship him. Good morning, everyone. Let's sing praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more stronger than darkness new every morn our sins they are many his mercy is more 
What love could remember? What love can remember? No wrongs we have done. Unconditional knowing he counts not their soul. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mercy is more. 
if you had never come. What if you had never come to save us? What if you had never given grace? It was love that held you there upon the cross. It was love that led you to the grave. Forgiven. Forgiven, I've been set free. Oh, the power of Christ in me, my Jesus, my victory. Oh, the promise of Christ in me. of hope. What if hope had never got the darkness and the stone had not been rolled away? It was love. It was love that poured into your lifeless lungs. It was love that raised you from Forgiven, forgiven, I've been set free. Oh, the power of Christ in me, my Jesus, my victory. Oh, the promise of Yeah. 
of sending your son of seeing us when we were far off and running toward us thank you so much for being a promise keeper that is exactly who you are and your son we've just sung is the promise the promised messiah Thank you that in Christ we have riches and glory that are unfathomable. There is victory that cannot be taken away. There is mercy that is always extended to us. There is power and authority through the Holy Spirit, through the cross, through the resurrection. We thank you that we have not been left as orphans. Paupers. We are rich children of God if we know Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for your sweet presence in this place. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to move and to speak through the testimonies of every person making a public declaration of faith through the waters of baptism today. I pray, Lord, for people who are here who are not sure if you're really real. They're not sure what you're all about. I pray, Lord, that you would be knocking on the door of their hearts and that they would let you in today, that they would see undeniably that this is a place where people know you and their ears would be unstopped to hear testimonies of truth, testimonies of lives transformed that have no other explanation but for the power of a supernatural God who is a personal God, who sees us and knows us and gave us our fingerprints. Lord, I pray that you would use every person on this stage today to speak truth, 
I pray that you'd give them peace, God. Give them boldness. Help them to speak from the heart what you have done for them. And for those of us, Lord, who know you and have been baptized, I pray that this service would be a sweet recollection of how three-dimensional our faith became when we were baptized. How three-dimensional our faith became when we publicly declared that we would follow you, that we would be your disciple. We thank you so much, God, that you're moving and working in the lives of people in our congregation and all across the world. May this encourage our hearts in such crazy times that God is not dead and that the church is still to be reckoned with and your people through the power of Christ are as well. We praise you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. What a day. Well, this is going to be an amazing day. Uh, looking forward to this opportunity to be able to watch um, young people and, and maybe a little bit older people go into the waters of baptism and uh, profess uh, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their desire. You know, it was on August 14th, 1992 that um, my wife pledged to be married to me. And on that date, she gave me a ring. And that ring um, was an outward symbol of a reality, vows that we had made to one another. And then the outward symbol, this is not actually the same ring, I'm 50 pounds heavier, um, and that ring doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> um, but that outward symbol was a symbol of the reality of our relationship. So I want you to think about that as we talk about baptism this morning. There's so much confusion today over baptism. I'm not going to be able to settle all of this. I want to give you a basic overview of what we believe about baptism and what we believe is going to occur today. And there's confusion over the subjects, who should be baptized, and there's uh, confusion over the mode of baptism, how should somebody be baptized. I'm going to share with you what we believe here at the chapel and I, I want to try to answer three questions. Uh, first question I want to answer is, what does it mean to be baptized? The second question is, how should it be done? And the third question is, who should be baptized? And I'm going to do that with five basic words. Very simple. Christ, Christian, commanded. Then we're going to talk about commitments and conversations. So let's start with baptism is about Christ. What we're going to see this morning is a demonstration of the redemption story. It's a grand drama. As the person stands in the water, they're standing up and showing life. And as they fall back, they are showing that they are symbolizing death. And when they go under the water, they are symbolizing burial. And when they come out from the water, they are symbolizing rising again. It's a grand drama. We do that in a church. We do these drama ceremonies, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And baptism is symbolizing what Christ has done for us. In Romans chapter 6, verse 34, it says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, 
by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are connected and in communion with Christ, but we're symbolizing Christ's death today. Baptism is a celebration of God's grace to us. It's not human achievement. It's not these individuals that are going to be professing something that they have done. It's not about their human achievement. It's about God's work in their lives. And baptism is interesting because it's not an end in and of itself. It's kind of like a sign. It points to something greater. They are going to be pointing to the salvation work that they received in Christ. And so therefore, it is a celebration. It's fitting. It's a a ceremony for Christ. Well, the second word I want you to think about is not only is baptism about Christ, but baptism is about the fact that it's commanded by Christ. It's commanded. Now, when we talk about the word baptism, if you go back to the Greek word, it means to immerse, to dip. And that is why we will be immersing people in water this morning. Now, I know there's a number of people that may have been, quote, unquote, baptized in different ways. We believe, and we can talk more to you about the fact that we believe it's going into the water of baptism completely and coming up. It's also connected to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, verse 23, it says, John was baptizing many people because water was plentiful there and people were coming to him to be baptized. It was not a small amount of water. It was just not dripped over the person's head. This person was submerged into water. We see that in Jesus' baptism. He went into the water and then he came out of the water. In Acts chapter 8, it says this, and they were going along the road and there came some water. And the eunuch when Philip had um, had evangelized the eunuch, the eunuch said, you know what, I've professed faith in Christ. There's water there. What is keeping me from being baptized? And, And Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was raised out of that water. In Colossians 2, another passage in verse 12, it says, having been buried with him in baptism in order that we will be raised with him through faith, and the uh, powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So we believe that biblical immersion is the identification with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection, as we saw in that passage. Jesus commanded us to do this. Jesus said that this is closely connected to evangelism as well. A key passage right at the end, just before Jesus Christ was ascended into heaven, in Matthew chapter 28, it says this, Go therefore into all the nations and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And there are four basic commands there. It's like go, make disciples, baptize, and then teach them. And so we believe clearly that proclamation of God's word, the profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then baptism. We see that in Mark chapter 16. I'll read the passage for you. It says this in Mark 16. Afterwards, he appeared to the eleven and themselves, and they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. But they had not believed those who had saw him after he had risen. Here's Here's the section. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world, Proclaim the gospel to all the creatures. Whoever believes is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. If you see it, there's a proclamation of the gospel, there's a believing on Christ, and then there's baptism. 
Now, baptism is not related to your salvation. There are some churches that teach that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. We do not believe that. If it were, it would be a work of human merit. It would be the work that you're doing to be saved. And we already know that salvation is a work of Christ alone. In John 1, it says, But to many who has received him, who believed in his name, who he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born of blood or of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Of, of God. We are born again because of God. So I want you to know first that baptism is about Christ. The second, baptism is commanded in Scripture. The third thing I want you to know about baptism is this. Baptism is about a Christian. Every single person that goes into the waters of baptism this morning will be giving a testimony here at first about their relationship with God. They have been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are saying that they have placed their faith and trust in him. They have repented from their sins. They've turned away from their sins and turned to God. And they're affirming their unity and their union with Christ, that Christ has committed them in a relationship to himself, and they are identifying with their relationship with him. It's a covenantal relationship. Just like at a wedding ceremony, there are these promises that you make to one another, and you're in covenant with one another. Similarly, We are making a covenant with God, but more importantly, God is making a covenant with us. He has fulfilled these promises to us, and we're symbolizing those promises in this water of baptism. Baptism is interesting because it is this ordinance of the church. I've already told you the Lord's Supper and communion symbolize this grand drama. It's given to the leaders of the church to baptize people. And it is a continual practice, as Matthew tells us. We're supposed to be doing this to the end of the age. Until Christ comes back, we should be evangelizing people. People should go into the waters of baptism. And then we should be teaching them and training them. Baptism is about Christ. Baptism is commanded. Baptism is about Christians. Baptism reveals a series of commitments. Fourth, this is deeply personal. I look forward to hearing these testimonies of these people. There's a deeply personal thing that has happened in their lives. But baptism is never private. You're not doing this in your tub in your bathroom by yourself. You're doing this and you're professing your faith in front of a congregation of people. So it's deeply personal, but never private. It's a communal action. We are gathering together one with another. The believer is making a profession of their faith, the declaration of their faith to us. But then we're also, believe it or not, as a community of believers, making a commitment to them that you are going into the waters of baptism you're professing your faith in Christ we're professing to you that we are going to disciple you and train you and be there to support you so it is a declaration on the believer's part but it's also a commitment on the church's part Uh, we as a church are not a perfect church I, I know that one of the things that we want to do more and more is to become a church that is more and more visible and verbal and speaking of what God has done. And we're in the process of making some of those changes. But I was just thinking about the ministries that are already here in our church. You know, we have almost 20 ministries that are taking place every single week in this church. Can you believe it? You know, whether it's adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school, uh, junior church, children's ministry that are going on, hospitality services, the technical team, the music team. On Sunday nights, I have a group. There's a youth, uh, young adults that meet. Monday through Thursday, Monday through Wednesday, there are multiple men's ministries, prayer meetings, 
Bible studies throughout the week. We need to do more. But what I want to tell you is this, and I miss grief share. I miss counseling and discipleship that occurs during the week. The cleaning team, nobody thinks about that. But, you know, you sit in a beautiful sanctuary because of that cleaning team. Deacon Reed, Junior Church, follow-up. There are multiple ministries that are here. I encourage you not only to go into the waters of baptism, but I encourage you to use your spiritual gifts here in this church so that we can use that to follow up and grow. We're supposed to be doing life together. You are committing your union with Christ, but I also am hoping that you're united with this people as well. Baptism is about Christ. Baptism is is commanded. Baptism is about Christians. Baptism is about your commitments. But lastly, baptism is about gospel conversations. I love the day that we do baptisms because I hear the story and we get to hear the story of how God took somebody who was blind and deaf and dead spiritually and made them alive And they talk about where they were before Christ. And they talk about how they were brought to Christ. And they talk about their life after Christ. It is an amazing opportunity to hear the profession of faith initially here in the waters of baptism, but the continual. Because my hope and our hope is that as we hear more and more of their lives, we're going to hear more and more of how God is working in them and through them. So this morning, celebrate with us and celebrate with them. That the baptism that they're doing is representing Christ. It is representing the fact that they're following Christ's commands. It's representing the fact that they are professing to be a Christian. It's representing the fact that they're making commitments to us and to God. And it's representing the fact that they're giving you a gospel conversation. They want you to hear of what God has done in their lives and through their lives. So enough with me. Let's hear from them. Let's pray. Father, I don't want to blow past the point that baptism is about your son. He was baptized with your wrath for our sins. He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again for us, for those who trust in him. Help us to glory in Christ today. Help us to honor him. Father, we baptize these people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you would remind us that it was you who planned our salvation. It was Jesus who provided our salvation, and it's the Holy Spirit who's the pledge of our salvation. Help us to see that. Father, I thank you for the commands that you give us. It tells us how to live this Christian life. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to hear your commands and obey them as these people are looking to do this morning. Father, I pray that you remind us of the Christian life that we have. Father, help us to fulfill the commitments that we are making to you. And then, Father, help us to have more and more gospel conversations like they will have this morning. Help us to continue to have those gospel conversations as we move forward. And help us to bring glory, honor, majesty to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
All right. Uh, great to see each one of you here. And uh, we're going to begin our season of baptism this morning. Um, one of the things I want you to think about as you uh, listen to the stories that people are going to share from their own lives, I want you to be listening for how God used somebody to share with them the good news of Christ. Uh, because nobody comes to Christ without somebody. And so one of the things that I'm always encouraged by when I'm in a baptism service is thinking about how my heart might be encouraged, how your heart might be encouraged to more boldly speak of the work of Christ with people around you, because that is how God works through our relationships. So I'm going to ask uh, Sammy Mose if uh, he would come. Now, I was joking with Sam. Come on, come up here. I'm supposed to call him Sam, but I've known him since he was shorter than me. So... Um, Sammy didn't want to be first, okay? But somebody has to be first for the baptism testimony, so Sammy's going to lead us out this morning. Hello, everybody. My name's Samuel Mose, if you didn't know. Not Sammy. Uh, I'm 16 years old. I've been going to the chapel ever since I can remember. Uh, it's been my home church my whole life. All the pastors here have known me since I was like... Really, really tiny. <laughs> uh, I also grew up in a Christian home my whole life. I heard the Bible stories at a young age. I've been memorizing verses since young, since since a young age, and I heard all the. Uh, I went to church every week since a young age. When I was in third grade, I went to Camp Calvary for the first time with my sister Carly. I loved it and been going back ever since. At the end of each sermon at Camp Calvary, they have a time where you, if you want to get saved. You can go with your counselor and talk one-on-one. -on -one. I did this the second year I went when I was nine years old. I knew and realized why Jesus died for my sins. I knew I couldn't get to heaven on my own or by just being good. I need his help. I, rep I repented of all my sins with my counselor and accepted Jesus into my heart. That was the best decision I ever made. I've been thinking and praying about getting baptized for a few years now. And a few weeks ago at youth group, Pastor Tim's message was all about baptism. And what it means to be baptized. That's when I decided that it was the right time. One verse I want to leave you with is Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, as the scriptures say. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. trust in Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you forsake Satan and all of his works? Yes. Do you pledge that you're going to be living a life that is going to honor Christ? Yes. On the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
right, Isaiah Long. This is uh, Pastor James's son. Um, when I was younger, I wasn't really the best kid. Uh, I joked around a lot, never really taking anything seriously, and I lied all the time. But it wasn't until like fourth grade, when I was 10 years old, I, was, I went to Sunday school, and the teacher talked about how important it is to trust in God and get saved. And uh, I was a sinner. And I realized that I hadn't been doing anything that was pleasing to God. So later that day, I asked how I could become saved, and she told me to pray and ask Christ to live in my heart and work through my life. And I did exactly that. I went to my room, prayed to God, and asked him to, and asked him to come into my heart and work into my life, understanding that Christ died for me, was raised for me, and now is in heaven preparing a home for me. I felt good after that. I felt like a new person, but it started to go away fast. Since I was so lazy when it came to studying God's word, um, and I didn't really understand things because I was relatively young. Um, I was very, also very impatient. Fast forward a couple of years in sixth grade, I got some bad news from my parents that we had to sell our house. I don't really like to show my emotions much, so I just shrugged it off and said we can eventually find another house, even though I was actually really upset inside and pretended it didn't bother me. I've had the opportunity to go to a Christian school learn more about my faith, and grow my faith with God. I'm almost 16, and we've lived in an apartment for the past five years. And for three years in, I was very annoyed with God and how he allowed us to lose our house. And, but as, I was get, as I've been getting older, I've realized that all of this is just a test of my patience and faithfulness to God. And my life reminds me of the story of Job. And I found that Job's faithfulness to Christ, even though he lost everything he had, was so encouraging to me. And I've been going through, and what I've been going through for the past six years is just a test of my faith, and I'm going to do whatever I can to stay faithful to God, just like Job. Anthony and Kim Bono to come. If you can't tell, Anthony's Italian. <laughs> He's my only Italian friend since I live in Warren County. So, <laughs> no, I thank God for this couple. Uh, I've had the privilege of uh, working with them, uh, doing uh, some discipleship and encouraging them in their walk with Christ, and uh, just so grateful for how God is manifesting his work in your lives in such a beautiful and powerful way. So I look forward to uh, you guys sharing your stories. Oh, sorry. 
I was going through a difficult time in my life with my when my cousin invited me to church that day. That day is the, where I start, started to trust in Christ and trust in the Lord. I always heard stories about Jesus, but I didn't know what they meant. When I learned more, I understood. And then that day, I decided to say sorry to God and to turn away from my sins. Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteousness for the unrighteousness to bring you to God. I know he has a plan for my life and to be in heaven with Jesus. I know the Lord has forgiven me and is walking through this season of life with me to redeem the broken and share my love, his love. I am so thankful for this mercy, patience, and forgiveness of our God. I am thankful that he continues to draw me to himself and that Christ died for all my sins. All right, please bear with me. If you think they're emotional, it's going to be tough for me. <clears throat> All right. Uh, my name's Anthony, the Italian guy. Uh, I was raised Lutheran. I was an altar boy. I made my communion and confirmation. But it was all very ritualistic for me. And there was very little belief and knowledge of Christ. I attended a different church with one of my good friends, my brother, Clint Pompey, that changed my life. I listened to the gospel. It was Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And it was so different than it had been my whole life. I was filled with emotion and didn't understand fully because I never felt that way at any church before. I felt a tug on my heart that I couldn't explain. Christ was calling me into a relationship with him. But shortly after, I fell away. I had a lot of anger and grief. I lost my birth mother, my grandmother, and both of my grandparents in a very small period of time. I was angry. I was one of those people that thought, how could there be a God and all of these bad things are happening to me? So selfish. Years went by with me being lost, and again, Christ found me dealing with my stepmother, struggling with breast cancer. He put me where I needed to be here at the chapel. This time, <clears throat> it was different. Instead of falling away, he used me to help my stepmother find him again before her death, while at the same time strengthening my relationship with him. Excuse me. <clears throat> One of my favorite songs, Reckless Love, stems from Matthew 18:12, where Christ says, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the open hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than the, the 99 that did not wander off. For me... I was that lost sheep who Christ found time and time again. I stand here today and say to you, trust in Christ and have a relationship with him. And, he will <clears throat> and you will see things change in your life that you never thought was possible. Because with Christ, all things are possible. Amen. 
Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone as your Lord and Savior? With all my heart. And do you desire to follow him? With all of my heart. Based upon your profession in Jesus Christ and that alone, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So they said, we're feeling like we have a big weekend. I said, well, sort of. <laughs> Just sort of. So, hey, can you stand with me? We're going to sing through two verses of Amazing Grace, and then we'll continue with our baptism. So let's stand together. that song is important to you because it really is what each person being testified or being baptized is testifying of and that is that God has done a work in my life. So we're going to continue on with our testimonies. I think next we have Madison Plager, which is Kim's daughter. All right. 
Madison brings her own towel. Growing up, I wasn't raised in a religious household. Later in my life, before I met Christ, I was around 14 or 15 years old when I began going to church every Sunday. I started going to the youth group here at church, and I met so many new people and learned so many things. And I met so many new people that have showed me the way in life. God showed me there was more to faith than just attending church services. About a year ago, a loved one in our family had been diagnosed with breast cancer. A verse stuck with me for a while, Luke 8:50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. During this time, everyone had hoped everything was going to be okay. I am so thankful for the mercy, patience, and forgiveness of our God. Becoming a... Becoming a Christian is more about making, the, about making the decision to accept Christ's death on the cross as payment for your sin. Christ showed me the way, showed me kindness and love, and to have confidence with his plan he has for me in the future. This is my testimony. It may be short, but these are the things I've walked through with Christ by my side. This is the season of life I am in, and in the way I've seen God work around me in mysterious ways. He has changed my heart where need where it needs to be, removed people from my path, and brought an amazing community of believers into my life. Not paid for being nervous, right? Are you making a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you desiring to be baptized in his name? Well, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ask uh, Chris Whitehead to come up at this time. Another, uh, actually, I remember when Chris was born. He was little. <laughs> All right, so I have a mom, and there were three boys. And I know my mom was always like conscious about us being handsome young men. And Veronica knows who I'm talking to. His mom, right? <laughs> Oh, all right, Chris, if you would share your story of faith in Christ, okay? All right. Um, so He's a good-looking young man is what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> okay like, like Captain Obvious is in the house, okay? I'm, I'm messing with Veronica only when I'm saying this, and it's all true. All right. Uh, so I've been coming here my whole life, and I've been raised in a Christian home, and I've always had a belief in God, but... Uh, nothing really more than that. It wasn't until I was around eight or nine 
that I started to learn what being a Christian really meant. Um, I learned about salvation, and there's just, you know, one day or something I prayed and thought I got saved, but in reality, I didn't have a real understanding of what salvation really was, and I never really actively pursued to have a relationship with God. Um, so it wasn't until around the time I got into middle school uh, when I really started to learn what salvation was um, because of my parents and uh, Camp Calvary, which I've been going to for a really long time. Uh, I realized that I was a sinner and I needed to be saved, and the only way I could be saved was by believing on Jesus and the sacrifice that he made and uh, repenting for my sins and realizing that if he didn't do what he did on the cross, then I wouldn't be able to experience his grace like I do every day. Um, since then, I've grown a lot closer to God, and my relationship has really grown, partly because of my parents, who have been great examples on uh, what it's like to have a relationship with God. Um, and a lot of my growth has come over this past year, this mostly this past summer, having the opportunity to uh, junior counsel at Camp Calvary, which is a place that has helped me with my walk a lot, um, and just seeing how God can work in the lives of um, kids younger than me, um, and it just really helped uh, grow me in my faith. Uh, and now I'm doing my best to stand out at school as someone who has gotten my life, especially going to public school where you don't meet a lot of people like that. And I'm just trying to do my best to let everyone that knows me uh, see me as a Christian and someone who lets God uh, guide my life and the way that I act. Amen. So, Chris, it's just uh, it's our delight to see you get baptized. Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is your desire to follow him? Yes. Based upon your profession in Jesus Christ and that alone, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, in light of what Chris shared, if you are raising children, uh, I trust that you will take seriously uh, the God-given responsibility that you have. Uh, you know, we can help you as a church, but God didn't tell us to raise your kids. God told you to. And God told you to teach them the truth about Christ that you know in your own life. And so, uh, just let that be an encouragement. Not, don't take it as a rebuke. Take it as an encouragement that I can make a difference in somebody's life. And nobody comes to Christ without somebody. So I uh, just want to encourage you in that way this morning. I'm going to ask uh, Dylan Gary if he would come this morning. Dylan's braver than me. He told me he was going to read his testimony off his phone. I said, man, I don't trust Wi-Fi in this building. I don't trust my phone. This must be age-related, right? Yeah, so, something like that. Grateful for you to share your story. 
All right. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Dylan. Dylan Gary. Um, so I have a little bit of a different story than most uh, everyone that's kind of shared their testimony today. So uh, I was not brought up with any religion in my life. I was baptized when I was an infant uh, in a Lutheran church, but that was about it. Um, my parents let me make my own conclusions about what I believed, which I don't fault them for. You know, I appreciate the way they brought me up. I love them very much. They're here today. <laughs> um, but was there a God that created the universe, or was all this just a random chance event that all started with a big bang? After a lot of contemplation about that, about what was true as I was growing up, I decided that God uh, did not exist, that there are objective truths known from mankind's scientific understanding of the natural world, and that was enough for me at the time. Uh, before I trusted Christ, my life was full of sin. I was living in the moment and not really focused on uh, consequences of my actions. I selfishly sought pleasure in most things, which eventually led me down a road of regret. I was slowly starting to see all the brokenness and evil present in the world and realize that I was contributing to it. Uh, the first time I really heard about Christ and had the gospel preached to me was from my good friend Chez. Uh, he was here today as well. <laughs> uh, and that was when I was in high school. Uh, I would push back on the idea whenever he would bring it up. Uh, science was the answer, I would tell him. But uh, science uh, can't help you. Science can help you understand the natural world around you and ultimately God's creation, but it cannot direct your life in a moral manner. Science cannot absolve you of the horrible decisions you made in the past. It does not give you objective moral truths to live your life by. Uh, when I was 25, I finally realized all this, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I found it was the only way I could get past the biggest regrets I had made in my life up to that point. Um, when I first... Uh, I'm having Wi-Fi issues, PT. I told you. <laughs> and I like being right. <laughs> when I first decided I was a believer, I did not do much to actively pursue my faith, uh, like attending church or reading the Bible consistently. I went through a pretty difficult time after I made this decision as I had an episode with cancer at the ripe age of 26. Uh, I realized that God was making a personal presence in my life uh, with, <clears throat> by experiences I had during that time, and that's really the first time my faith seemed real to me. Uh, although I had this personal experience, it did not make me actively pursue my faith. Uh, the second time... It seemed real was actually right before I met my girlfriend, Anna, who most of you may probably know already. Um, so I was tw uh, 29, and I was actively looking for someone to be with uh, for about a good five years. I couldn't find anybody that seemed right or compatible for me. And I was also having difficulty finding someone who considered themselves a Christian like me as I decided that was going to be something important to me in a romantic relationship going forward. Um, so I was starting to get a little down about it, uh, which caused me to start actively living out my faith for the first time. I prayed for someone to come into my life that was right for me, and a week later, I met Anna. She, she invited me to the chapel after we met for a second time, and um, this felt like the first time in my life that a prayer was answered. Uh, since then, I come to church every Sunday. I read the Bible more consistently. I attend the men's Bible study here at PT Leeds, um, and I also attend the young adult gatherings. Um, having God in my life has allowed me to meet some amazing people and be a part of a great community that I cherish. I'm still learning and growing as a Christian, but I feel now that I have a great foundation to grow from. Yeah.
I got to go. <laughs> Don't I hope you have more faith in Jesus than me. Just a small joke for what it's worth. When my son got baptized, he took his phone with him into the water. So, so that was good. And it, so, Dylan, what a blessing. Um, do you profess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting in him alone? Yes, I do. And is your desire to follow him? Yes. Based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ and that alone, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Chris Blackwood, if you would come. Good to see you, buddy. Uh-huh. My pleasure. So one of, the, one of the interesting things James was talking about earlier is the necessity of relationships. Because God is always at work in our lives in the context of relationships. And uh, so it's been a joy. Uh, three young men that are in, my, uh, in the Monday night study group that we uh, take that we do, uh, Jake Kroom and Dylan and, uh, and Chris. And I just want to say what a blessing it is to, to be in relationship with young men that have a desire to know and follow Christ. Because it is, it, honestly, Monday night is one of the favorite things that I do in my life. Uh, just seeing people that want to know the truth. And uh, so it is really a joy to see uh, Chris coming forward uh, to be baptized today. So. Thank you. Uh, sure. Hi, folks. My name is Chris Blackwood. I'm 24 years old. I'm the third of four siblings. I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, and I was baptized at birth. I went to church every Sunday and went to Sunday school. I completed my first Holy Communion when I was eight and received the Sacrament of Confirmation. So on paper, I was Christian. At the time, I had a very poor understanding of Jesus Christ and what a sacrifice really means for us. Sadly, I was not really a true believer during this time. I was probably 12 years old when I first began to doubt the existence of God. I continued questioning his existence until roughly the age of 17 when I fully turned away from God. At this point, I had become a committed atheist and remained so for about four years. During this time, I was consumed by the search for objective truth, meaning, and purpose. My thought process was very nihilistic and postmodernist, and I did not believe that there was objective meaning or purpose to our lives. The more I searched for purpose, the less I could find, and I no longer felt a sense of hope for the future. This was the darkest time of my life, and truthfully, I was quite depressed, but never told anyone. During my freshman year of college, I was walking through Hoboken, New Jersey, where I went to school. Two men approached me and simply wanted to talk about God. This was not a conversation I was interested in at the time, but I listened for a brief while, and then we parted ways. During my junior year of college, I was randomly assigned two roommates who were Christians. At this point in my life, considering that my search for truth had yielded only despair, I was becoming receptive to the possibility that perhaps God does exist. After a couple of months, my roommates asked me if I wanted to talk about God. We had a long conversation, then one of them named Deshaun concluded the conversation with a prayer as we joined hands. 
It was powerful and it surprised me. I was shocked. I had never heard anything like it before. The next year, I had another randomly assigned roommate named Nick, who was a very devout Catholic. He was extremely humble, stoic, and a man of principle. We had many intense conversations across a broad range of topics, and his faith was evident throughout. I thoroughly cherished the friendship, and it really got me thinking that perhaps the Bible contained the truth I was searching for. Then during the same year, there was another man on the street in Hoboken who just wanted to talk to me about God. What was the probability of having three roommates who were Christians in an engineering school? Why would three different people be motivated to walk around Hoboken and start conversations about God? How did these people seem so hopeful for the future when all I could see was darkness? I suppose it was out of desperation that I came here searching for answers to find the truth. I did not expect that my heart would be changed in the process. And Luke eight eleven says this, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And then he talks about the people for whom it's like the seeds falling on rocky soil, thorny soil, or good ground. But the truth is, I was one of those that fell by the wayside. I had the opportunity to hear the good news on many occasions, but I turned away. For some reason that I can't explain, God did not give up on me. I didn't deserve it. I was prideful, irreverent, arrogant, and I had a lot of hate and resentment in my heart. I was something that God should have detested. Jesus Christ died so that I could be forgiven for my sins, but I had rejected him. Pastor Tim said it is not until one recognizes that he is a sinner in need of a savior that the gospel will begin to make sense. In the past, I did not recognize that I was a sinner. I knew there was an accumulating darkness weighing down upon my conscience but I was unable to do anything about it on my own. Through reading his word, God showed me that the burden I felt was the accumulation of my sins, but he also showed me that I could be forgiven. Additionally, he showed me that there were many qualities that I possessed that need to change if I am to be pleasing to him. Fixing these things is a process that takes time, but it's not me who's doing it. It's God. Now I do believe that God is the creator of the universe, the earth and the heavens, and therefore all the glory and honor belongs to him. And so I should not ever be prideful. I believe that God's son, Jesus Christ, paid the ultimate price through his sacrifice to forgive us for our sins. I benefit from this, even though I do not deserve it. And for this, I just feel immense gratitude. And I just want to close by saying that I once had despair, and now I have hope. Chris, are you professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Are you pledging to live according to his will and follow him faithfully? Yes. Are you desiring to be baptized this morning? Yes. Well, we baptize you, and we have the privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
ask the worship team to uh, move to the front at this time. Uh, I hope that your heart is deeply encouraged this morning. I, uh, I don't find any greater joy in life than hearing how the grace of God opens people's eyes, lets them see the truth, and draws them into a relationship with himself through the cross work of Christ. So if you're here this morning and you say, oh my gosh, that's my story. In that person's testimony, that's my story. I would encourage you this morning, right where you sit right now, just to quietly bow your head and say, God, I have been fighting you. I have been resisting you. And today I understand something I didn't understand. And that is that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and set free. And that only the power of Christ, because here's what some people think. And I remember Dan Slack is sitting, where, Dan, where are you? Oh, he's out, he's out there, okay. Um, I remember Dan Slack saying to me, Tim, I would love to trust Christ, but I'm not good enough. I was like, that's the point. That's why Christ came. Because the Bible says we all sin and we all fall short of God's desire for our lives. The consequence of that is separation from God. Jesus on the cross endured separation from God because of my sin so that I could be forgiven and brought into the relationship that God created me for. And he brings you in for free so that no one today, and I hope in everything you've heard, I didn't hear anybody bragging today. What we were doing was not celebrating people. We were celebrating the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that you can come to know that truth. We're going to sing a song called All I Have is Christ. The best day of your life will be when you come to the end of religion and performance and trying. And you forsake all of your effort and you cling to Jesus Christ as all you need and as all you have. Would you stand with us at this time?
Sundays like this. When you hear testimonies and you hear people's lives change, you reflect on your own life being changed. I know we're all feeling that right now. And we hear statements like, you know, that sacrifice was made for me, but I don't deserve it. And that's what's beautiful about the gospel is that we all come to this place not as people who have got it together, but as people who need to get it together. We're lost, we're broken, Lord, but we need you. And even as Christians, God, that does not end just with baptism, that we're done, everything's good, I'm, I'm golden. Yes, my sin is taken away, I am forgiven, I am freed, I am set to live with you forever. But now is when the work begins. The major change the consistency, the sticking with it, but not because I'm doing it, but because what you're doing through me. And thank you that there is that hope that when things aren't going right, we can rely and trust in you. God, as we go from this place, may we be those people on the street that Chris talked about. Those guys probably have no idea of what happened with Chris and in his life. And for those others, Lord, who were, you know, parents praying for and hoping and wishing and, and trusting and yet also parenting at the same time and trying to be consistent and hoping that their children come to faith. God, may we be those consistent parents. May we be those people, Lord, who just take a chance, take a risk in speaking to somebody this week about the gospel because it's there to change their lives. We thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. May you be with us as we leave and as we go into our, into our lives, Lord, and into the people we interact with. May you be glorified this week. And may, come, may some come to know you this week, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a nice week.